Sir, the breach can no longer be contained. The entire games industry is going to be consumed by Jeff Keighley. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we do a grab bag of news about the Game Awards and E3, which is dead for real this time, and a grab bag of games we've been playing. Kirk played the Avatar game. Let's get into it. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hello. 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 It's us. We're here. Welcome back for another episode. We're back again. We yeah. are back again. We, we survived. survived the Game Awards, gaming's biggest we night. Did. Gaming's Jason's second home. biggest night. He's cozy in his his old office again. Everything's where it should be. The triple clickers are triple clicking once again in their home stations. And all is right with the world. This kind of it feels is. like the night before Christmas or something. It feels like I'm writing a poem <laughs> about us. It's uh-huh. very uh-huh. epic. Uh-huh. Yeah, the gamers were tucked in their gamer chairs with kids. <laughs> with sweet little with visions of underbuttons danced in their heads. Yeah, <laughs> but but where does the X button truly go? These are the dreams of gamers. And you know, if you want to hear more of my epic poem about gamers, you can't get it at maximumfun.org/join. But you should go there anyway, because you could become a member of Max Fun, which is our podcast network, and you would get bonus episodes from us every month. And also, you'd be supporting our show. You'd be one of the, the many listeners who supports our show, which has no ads. Thanks to all of you. And uh, you could also just maybe send me a telepathic message while you're doing that, telling me to write an epic gamer poem. And then Yeah, I was going to say, that. that could be a bonus episode. Your epic yeah, I could gamer do poem. that. I it's could just do that. it's just Maddie reading a poem for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are, I feel like a lot of people would like that. I a would, lot of people would pay for that. Watch it, our, yeah, our subscribers number would double the next Is it day. like the night before Christmas, <laughs> but it's like the night before the game awards? Like I don't I gotta I gotta <laughs> it think about this. It was the night before more. the game awards. <laughs> <laughs> the game awards is a separate event that I will be hosting. Uh but we'll get to that in a moment. Before we do, I just want to remind the listeners of that wonderful URL maximumfun.org slash join if you haven't been to it i highly recommend it check it out and become a member and uh i guess i have two other things to say the first is we are off next week we are not releasing a regular triple click episode but we will release an irregular episode by which i mean we will remove one of our bonus apps from the vault and put it out and also yeah, just a little taste little taste of little what, taste you, of what you get if you every month sprinkling of what's good behind behind the members only velvet rope and then you yeah. might deign you might deign to become a member after you hear it and also uh jason go ahead yeah so last week as people might recall we put together a little game where we all made predictions for the game awards as a tiebreaker for our 2023 predictions bet because there's a good chance that we will end in a three-way or a two-way tie and so the results are maddie had nine correct predictions amazing results i had 15 (laughs) correct predictions and also Kirk good. Hamilton had 16 correct Yay! predictions. Kirk is the winner. And one thing that's exciting about that is that Kirk won two different esports predictions. Yes, that I did. Took I... him over the top. <laughs> the the Potter esports coach. I was of the cutting year. those up, and I was like, "Thanks, esports." Yep. That yep. that really that won you the yeah. top prize uh, when they were blazing through all the awards at the I show know. last week. It was just In like record oh, time. Kirk got him. 
No, it's good. I had to make up for not choosing Final Fantasy VII as most anticipated game, even though it was obviously going to win that most was, anticipated yeah, game. Yeah, that was a bad one. What about Matt? Maddie had the lowest because she went with some out with some like outlying picks. You that know, are like game I, of the year. I feel like I came up with concepts that made the episode more fun to listen to because yes, I, I so. wanted to vote according to what I believe the game awards should be, and maybe mm. not according to what everybody else thinks they should be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into the Game Awards in a sec, but I think, so there's some interesting kind of politics at play here, and I think that, like, the winners, I believe that the jury really picks the winners and, like, that that it's all up and up and up when it comes to the actual selection process, but I think the way Keeley selects, like, which winners will actually be shown and taught and, like, get to speak is based on who comes to the awards show. So, for example... Um, like Aonuma was there and so they had to let him speak he wasn't just going to sit in the audience quietly so they knew like okay he won best action adventure so we'll put that up on stage as opposed to you know how best RPG was kind of buried in the categories and they like when they rattled him off and they were like best RPG Baldur's Gate 3 so Jeff definitely knew that Baldur's Gate 3 was going to win game of the year so he stuck that in the rattling off categories instead of instead of having do it do you be think a, that's true that, that that's really okay Okay. Huh. Yeah, I think it's based on because because if he's only going to pick like ten awards that actually get speeches, he doesn't want the same winner to have to 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 come up multiple times unless it's like like a few key awards like those like best performance game of the year are always going to get spoken, but like best RPG that gets cut for time because you know Swen is going to come up for game of the year. So what about the theory that the reason why the best RPG, best action game, etc. exist at categories is so that more games can be nominated. Therefore, Jeff Keighley can potentially ply more publishers to work with him on advertising at the Game Awards. Have you heard this theory that that's why there's so many categories total as compared to just having like a best game and best direction? I, th I think people will come and advertise at the Game Awards. <laughs> yeah, they don't need to be nominated. Well, something I learned last week, I, I guess I had known this before, but had had it very explicitly spelled out to me last week, is that like um, a lot of the people who are... So you know how the Game Awards has commercial breaks in between the kind of like tr world mm -hmm. premiere commercials? So the yep, world right. premiere commercials, I don't think all of them, but a lot of them have to pay to be there also. So in addition to paying for a commercial slot, you're also paying for like one of the official, like, we're going to hype up your thing type slot and it's yeah. like it's a hefty fee i heard like like up like it's it depends how much time you're taking but like could be 500 grand for like a, a solid amount of time in that thing wow that's mm -hmm. weird to think about mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so even when you're being average not being advertised to you're still being advertised to in every right. possible way yeah i guess the oscars isn't really operating on that same level very different but but yeah. i mean who cares i mean that's why so many people watch this and don't watch the oscars like, that's right the oscars is boring as hell and this you get to see arcane announce a blade game and like uh cool <laughs> new footage from whatever and you get to see gonzo tell jokes about his chicken fetish i don't think that's minutes. why i mean yeah i mean that's why so, i tuned in 
That's I, what I, I wanted to see. A lot of people were complaining about this year's Game Awards because uh, I guess, by the way, we've gotten into the show already without an introduction. <laughs> yeah, should uh, we say yeah, what the topic go, is? The topic is whatever um, we want. Continue, Jason. Just, just keep talking. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's perfect. The topic is whatever we want. Today we're talking about whatever we see fit. I mean, honestly, um, that is the topic for this week's episode. So no, continue. it's great. I love it. I love it. Welcome to Triple Click, where we talk about whatever we want. Um, so a lot of people were complaining about this year's show because the awards... Um, uh, acceptors, the winners, got to uh, like got played off essentially, and they mm-hmm. got were told an email seconds. went out in advance saying everyone gets only thirty seconds to speak. And uh, the the acceptors, it, it felt really kind of callous because like Neil Not Nubon, um, the best performance winner, played Asarian in Baldur's Gate three. He like had this heartfelt speech he was giving, and suddenly the music plays him off. Sven Vinky at the end was talking about his like their departed colleague on the team, and he like the music didn't play him off but like the 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 prompter was saying please wrap it up um and so yeah so it's it, it was really uh, it became this whole subject of discourse and i actually think i disagree with all the people complaining about how it's not an award show it's an advertiser show because if there were no like world premieres and announcements none of us would give a shit about this show like the dice awards or the gdc awards or the real prestigious shows the only reason people watch this is for the new stuff and the cool um exciting game trailers well the problem is the problem is that jeff decides to stick in in addition to those two parts, the awards and the marketing, he sticks in like all these celebrities and Gonzo and Kojima talking for like yeah. a solid ten minutes about like nonsense. And so that's the problem with the show. I think I think if that stuff was replaced with like more award speeches, then it would be a much better balance. Mm. Do you want to talk about the Kojima Kojima's dry ice budget? That was huge. <laughs> Jordan Peele's dry ice budget, also huge. I mean, I I guess I just am used to that. I was kind of surprised to see those takes this year because I was like, that's the Game Awards. I have I well, have I gone usually back in people time? don't get cut off that quickly. That this is all in reaction oh, yeah. to Christopher Judge's yeah. rambling speech last year, where he talked <laughs> for like eight minutes, like literally eight minutes about nothing. That's and so true. this is, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think that that part of it is the real egregious, especially Kojima. Like they were, they weren't even they talking were about a game; a they were just complimenting each other, him and Jordan Peele for yeah, like they a were. solid ten minutes. They were. So I actually, well, I don't totally agree with all of this. Um, okay, I think hit me. that a fun thing about the Academy Award is the spontaneity and the the sort of moments that can occur, whether they're Will Smith slapping Chris Rock or just something a little more benign. Like, I think that seeing the people on stage, seeing the sort of bits and the silliness and the songs and all of that, that's part of the fun of the Oscars for me. And that was actually part of the fun of this show as well. Like, introducing Timothy Chalamet by his, like, YouTube ID or whatever, and that was just fun, and it was kind of fun to see various celebrities on stage. Like, I really enjoyed it when Jordan Peele came out, just because it was sort of surprising, and I really admire him, and it was just cool. It was like, oh, cool, it's Jordan Peele. What I didn't like as much was that they dedicated so much time to talking about upcoming projects and to selling stuff. Like, the thing that bugged me about that Kojima segment wasn't that it was Kojima and Jordan Peele. It was that they were talking about this, like, game that was just, they didn't know anything about, that was brand That's new. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying, that they were really talking about nothing away. for 10 yeah. But, I mean, I guess the thing I don't like is all the ads. I think they could have a few fewer of those and a little bit more of the sort of award show pageantry mm. and a little bit more, obviously, focus on the awards. And they'd have a really fun show. I actually had a good time watching the Game Awards. I definitely, 
I think that the the criticisms of it are valid, like that it didn't really acknowledge all the turmoil in the industry, the people who've lost their jobs. I think there was like, there was a pretty easy, classy way that Keeley could have done that without derailing the whole show, and I was kind of sure. surprised he didn't. And that, yeah, like the balance was off and they played people off. Like there are definitely things to criticize about it. But I have to say that just watching it, I only watched the second half. I wasn't ex- as exhausted as a result. And I thought it was pretty. Yeah, that's why you liked it because you only watched an hour and a half of it. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't entirely disagree. Basically, I could see in the show, I could see the award show that I kind of want to watch. It's not the end-all, be-all of everything, but it did feel like it had the right mix of moments and celebrity and excitement and music and actual awards that I that I, I could like it. If it was half as long and had, you know, a, like third as many advertisements in it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Kirk, you actually missed the best part, which is the pre-show where they announced like 10 awesome indie games in a row, including a sequel to Curse of the Golden Idol. That's yeah. true. I saw that got announced. And, uh, and that's like set in modern days and it's called Rise of the Golden Idol or something like that. It looks awesome. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of other stuff like the new game from the Inscription guy and a few mm-hmm. other cool looking indies. Um, yeah, Kirk, I, I think you're right. And like, I'm sure most people could have done without like the next Warframe expansion or whatever other kind of like mid-level stuff they announced but those are people who pay to be there um again not all of them so i'm not 100 sure who pays but like no yeah. i don't deny the realities that lead the show to being how it is i'm more just like completely reflecting on it as a viewer let's keep on moving there's some other news i want to talk about so yeah we we did just get right into it without talking about what we're actually talking about in this episode which is fine but we're just kind of doing a grab bag we're gonna talk about a couple of news items and then some games because i've been playing a bunch of different games and i uh, just wanted to talk about them on the show because i haven't yet so that's kind what we're doing it's a it's a loose end of the year uh <laughs> fall catch-up episode we want. Yep. <laughs> whatever we want that's really what it is as as we said last week let your pants down and just have <laughs> have fun with it. we're gonna let our let our pants down and and have a good time so another big thing that happened last week that we alluded to but had not yet seen when we recorded last Although week's episode we was the minutes, grand theft auto 6 trailer <laughs> that uh released early because it was leaked and then uh, it actually came out like an hour after we stopped recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we haven't really reacted to it or talked about it. I mean, trailer reactions or whatever. <laughs> well, GTA is another plane of existence. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. So. Yeah. And I will say for my part that um, I initially after watching it, my first thought was that the Florida of the show or the Florida of the game really landed for me. Uh-huh. And having spent four fairly or increasingly exhausting years in Florida going to school in Miami, that was a little harder for me than I realized it was going to be, I guess, because it's so modern day. They're so leaning into that kind of dirtbag Florida, Florida man thing. Mm-hmm. This just has these kind of rancid vibes, a lot of it. But and, and so in a way or a bad way, what does that mean for you? Well, in a bad, in a kind in of a exhausting way, way okay. in the same way that I find GTA Five to be exhausting, where the world is just loud and aggressive and kind of hateful, and you don't like being in it, even though it's so absorbing and uh, a lot of times fun. I was complaining to friend of the show Russ Frushdick about this, and he actually mentioned me on the Besties as being like, "Ugh, I don't want to play a game in Florida." <laughs> so I will just say to continue that or to kind of put a bow on that I did initially have that feeling and I'm still a little skeptical about it I'm not sure where they're going to go with it but I did then go back and watch the trailer like a whole bunch more times and each time I watched it I was like damn I'm psyched for this game yeah I mean Rockstar, <laughs> I like, do think it's that Tom Petty song also Maddie oh, to your article so like that is a it's a great trailer it's a good, you know great track it's a good trailer there was a girl in the she said she was 
Like I said a couple of weeks ago, I mean, nobody's better in the business than Rockstar <laughs> making these trailers. Um, yeah, they're very good at it. It's true. Yeah, my only hope, I don't have a ton of thoughts on the trailer itself. My only hope is that they take a lot more story and narrative lessons from Red Dead 2 than from GTA 5. Because, like, the, the contrast between those two games and the level of quality storytelling in those two games is just, like, night and day. And Red Dead 2, for anyone out there who's, like, I was saying this in Discord, actually, a few days ago. For anyone out there who's kind of, like, skeptical of Rockstar storytelling or kind of dismisses them as like the Gen X South Park nihilistic types go play Red Dead 2 because that game is like like an unparalleled achievement in terms of like the confidence and subtlety of storytelling in that game is just beyond like anything I've seen in a video game so go play that game and and I just hope that GTA 6 carries on a lot of that especially when obviously the Farida stuff was all in there but we also got some hints of the Bonnie and Clyde story um, which I had reported on a, a while back and I think that is where we might see some of the like really interesting kind of cool storytelling so that's my hope yeah i'm really excited for that not just because it's the first major gta game with a playable female character in it but also just because i think it's a fun storytelling opportunity to have two gangster characters who are in a romantic relationship for starters and also because i mean (laughs) <laughs> I've played enough GTA 5 by this point to know and understand one of the many criticisms of that game was that every character was unlikable to play as. And that is tough. That is a tough hang, uh, even if you're really enjoying the experience. And at least based on this first trailer, I was Franklin really is fine. interested. Franklin He's all right. Like, yeah. I like Franklin the best of the bunch, but but sometimes whatever we don't need to get into gta 5 here (laughs) but like i did like how this trailer kind of made you initially root for these two characters who are at the center of a setting that definitely has rancid vibes like i agree with you there kirk like they are showing you the rancid (laughs) vibes of florida and also in 2023 that's florida baby i mean oh i know (laughs) that is what it is and it's a modern to be clear my criticism is not that they're that they're going too hard on Florida. It's just that I don't really want to spend time in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Do you but... think Ron DeSantis is going to be in the game? <laughs> he Almost certainly. Yeah, he's got to be right. Or like Trump. a Trump. Oh my God, Mar-a-Lago. For sure. Yeah. Oh, 100%. That seems very like. You go to Mar-a-Lago. Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. That's almost like the Saints Row of it all, though. But I like that idea of them kind of edging more into sort of a different style of comedy that's a, a sort of pointing fingers at specific targets rather than trying to do the everybody's equally bad thing Mm -hmm. that uh, comes across in GTA 5 at various points. So yeah, I'm curious about it. Yeah, and it's worth noting, I reported on this, I, I did a big Bloomberg piece, we'll link this in the show notes, about their kind of overhauling their culture and their and their um, everything about Rockstar. As I they, believe the quote was, they're trying not to punch down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's important. And I, I don't think, uh, not punching down doesn't mean they're like, they're going to be like sensitive, not politically punching. sensitive, or like, yeah, politically <laughs> yeah. correct or whatever. It just means like, no cheap trans jokes, which is like, yeah. I don't think anyone, like who wants that in, in, a, in a game, especially a big block Buster game these days. Uh, there's going to be plenty of like off-ball humor and ridiculousness as we saw in that trailer. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't mean like not making fun of people of like different races and ethnicities and religions and whatever else. Like that's all fine. It's just like the the like jokes on the side of a truck about trans people. Like we don't need that in a game. And, and that's what I think is the big difference here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing more about it in a year. <laughs> When, when we see it next, because yeah, it's going to be a while. At least a year. But it was fun to get that first glimpse. They're very yeah, good at um, like sparking the promise of a game. I feel like that's what those trailers always do, is they mm-hmm. make your imagination 
like a light. You know, you look and you're yeah. like, oh boy, yeah. this is going to be maybe it's like the best possible version of the game is the one that exists one right that, now yep. in our imaginations. Yep. 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 It'll yeah. only be downhill yep. from only, here. Only, only, <laughs> oh, actually, I Unless thought Red Dead, Red Dead 2 I thought was better than the trailers because remember the trailers? Everyone was yeah, like, oh, Arthur Morgan, he's like this a guy generic looks so boring. dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it turns out he's yep. like this incredible person. Amazing yeah, this incredible character. All right, so the last little news item that I think we can mention here is the assassination of E3 by the coward Jeffrey Keeley, the death of E3, which uh, that was a, a joke credit to both me and Jason. That was a Schreier Hamilton tag team a collab. Um, and uh, yeah, so it sounds like uh, E3 is totally dead. I feel like we've mentioned this like 17 times on the show that E3 has died, but now it's really yeah. and truly dead. We put a stake time. through its undead corpse uh, and like burned it. We don't it have any it. revive scrolls left. We can't yeah. bring it back. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm dead inside when it comes to E3, but do the two of you have any thoughts on this? Kirk, I think you'll be less dead in, inside when I show you. Let me see if I can bring up this picture. Tina Amini just sent me this picture. Um, that's going to be, you're going to be like, oh. Uh, here, let me see if you can. Oh, I remember that. Oh, uh, that was nice. <laughs> see, don't you miss that? It's to, to, to describe for listeners. It's a picture of a Kotaku crew, me and Tina and Evan Narcissus and Steven Tutillo and Kirk Hamilton and Chris Solentrop all at E3 2015. Uh, wow. So you can't be that yeah. dead inside. You miss your old just little your babies. Old buds. Almost ten years ago, which is crazy. Wow, that's no, wild. but that's not E3, right? That's just people. Those are people that I like that you showed me a picture well, of. Well, but E3 no, is they're uh, all dead. E3 is <laughs> all us. Well, what Maddie? Yeah, what I didn't mention, Maddie, is that they're all blurred out as they each died. Each one yeah, of us. Yeah, they're right, like right, fading right. out of the um, photo, Back to the Future style. Like everything that ever happened at E3 didn't. Right. Happen. We're actually in a J horror movie right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. No, the appeal of E3 for us at least is seeing old friends that's why I was so stoked to go to the Game Awards last week and I got to see a bunch of people I don't get to see often so sure that's why I like T3 yeah do you think the Game Awards oh god I'm sorry to even ask this question do you think the Game Awards is going to replace E3 no Summer <laughs> Games Fest is, has done a good job replacing has it has it though yeah has so it? last year I mean okay so I mean, I can ramble a little bit here. I'll try to keep this concise. E3 is essentially... We have some games to talk about. E3 is two parts, right? There's the press conference part and then the campus, the trade show part. The trade Mm -hmm. show part has been very aptly replaced by um, Summer Games Fest because what they do is they have this campus. I don't know how many listeners or readers out there even paid attention to this, but like they have this campus where press can go and play a bunch of demos. Two years ago, it was really small. Last year, it was a little bigger. Next year, it's going to be even bigger as they get the big guys like Nintendo and PlayStation to show up there. And I think that's going to be a really fitting replacement for E3 in terms of like, I'm going to go and talk to developers and maybe we'll do some podcast interviews. Maybe I'll write them up and people will be able to see that. The press conference part, that's a whole other story. But that was kind of going in a totally different direction even before the demise of E3 in that everyone wants to do their own digital thing and not be swamped by other or crowded out by other people. Um, But Microsoft still does their big thing. Like Ubisoft still does the thing so we're still going to see that stuff it's just that'll look different but the campus part that I think will look pretty similar with SGF Mm -hmm. and then in that way I guess TGA's becomes yet another version of itself that combines all of the above where it has like the big pumping baselines during the trailers but also Aonuma's there and he's doing interviews Mm -hmm. with press and also reporters are hanging out and talking shop which it was always that it's been that since it started in 2014 I mean it's like the like the two points of the year that 
that the whole industry can arrange around the winter yeah. and the summer things. And Jeff Keeley is just in control of all of yeah, them. Yeah, which so, is like, that maybe Well bad? played, Jeff. <laughs> well, that's, if you're worried about like monopolies and yeah. consolidation, that's the we thing We shouldn't worry about scary. Disney anymore. We got to worry about Jeff. Mm-hmm. He's holding mm-hmm. too many cards. <laughs> well, now he's got all the power when it comes to the industry events, except for like people doing yeah. their own like PlayStation, doing their own thing. Or you whatever. think Lena Khan is going to go after Jeff Keeley next? Sh- she should. <laughs> yeah, she should. Get the FTC Watch out, Jeff. She's coming. All right, let's talk about some games. Um, there are a lot of games that, at least that I've been playing lately, that we haven't had a chance to talk about on the show. And we're getting toward the end of the year, of course, after Christmas. So we're off next week. But then the week after that, we're going to get together and we're going to each do our top 10 games of the year. So we'll talk about some more games there. So I pulled out some games that might make it onto my list. Not that these games won't for sure, but they're just some that I've played that I haven't even mentioned on the show. And I think we've all been playing a few things. So I just want to talk through them all. And um, Do you want to pick your favorite? I want to hear the best one. What's the best one that you're playing these days that you're most excited about? The game that I'm most excited about, actually, that I'm playing right now is called Paranorma Sight, The Seven Mysteries of Hanjo. I just downloaded uh, this because you were raving about yeah, it. Yeah, this is yeah, a Jason Schreier-ass type for a game. It's like an extremely game. Jason game. <laughs> Um, so this game is a uh, is published by Square Enix. I'm not totally sure like the creative team behind it, like what else they've worked on, but it kind of got buried just amid all the other games that were coming out this year. This is a visual novel, a mystery game where I mean it's a visual novel, but you're having to solve some mysteries and, and figure things out too. So there is some you have to engage with it. You don't just sort of read. It's set in 1980s Japan, and it's kind of a spooky, urban legend, haunted, uh, kind of the grudge, the cur- uh, you know, the the uh, the Ooh. ring. It's got some of that kind of imagery. Yeah. But I wouldn't really describe it as too scary. It's uh, more creepy than it is scary. There are some jump scares, but they're not like really intense. As it's it, more. Like, how close is it to Danganronpa or like other mm. kind of? Like, so it's it's a little like it, I find it um, to be compelling in the same way that Danganronpa is, where I really got sucked into this game and I'm really enjoying it. Um, though I'm finding it tonally to be very different from Danganronpa, and actually, I'm finding it to be it's just kind of an it goes down a little easier than Danganronpa, which especially by the time I was playing V3, which I never did finish, I always go back to. I start to just find that game feels like it's yelling all the time. There are all these little mini monokumas and everyone's sort of screaming and the music is so jangly and discordant and I'm like, ah, like there are times where I'm playing it and I just don't it's a little too much. Sensory overload, yeah. So this game is a much more low-key, pretty steady frequency, and I'm just really enjoying it. So it's a, it's presented visual novel style, though I think the way that the story is told is actually really nice. It's a little bit, it feels a little more modern in that characters are sort of shot at cinematic angles. There are these different sort of face animations as they talk. So it's mostly still, like there's not a lot of like moving, you know, polygonal characters, but there's a much more involved sense of cinematography. And then when you're in a given scene, you can turn 360 degrees, you move a cursor around, and there's all kinds of stuff around you. And that also leads to really creepy scenes where you'll be talking to someone and suddenly they'll be have a horrified look on their face because there's something behind you. And so then you have to turn around <laughs> and look at what's behind you. So it's it's good at that kind of thing. This is a game about uh, the seven mysteries of Hanjo are these seven 
uh, urban legends or myths about different cursed items and sort of old stories that have been filtered through the years and led to, you know, modern myths, you know, like a well where you hear a voice and the voice says, leave it. And if you fish from that or from that river, you'll, you know, you'll have to be, you'll be sucked into the river if you, <laughs> if you hear the voice, that kind of thing. Cool. The kind of stories, like similar to the stories that I'm sure all of us told one another when we were uh-huh. kids. Uh-huh. It's a group of people who become fixated on those stories and gain basically there's a right of resurrection that's everyone kind of knows about that means you can bring someone back from the dead but in order to do it you have to take a curse stone and there are these different curse stones for each of the mysteries and you have to kill people and charge it up and then you can bring people back this is a little bit like death note too i gather yeah. i haven't actually seen or death the note. ring where you have to like find somebody to give the tape to, to give I the suppose. yes that's true very similar there too so there's a bunch of different protagonists and the story is laid out similar to some uh, to some other uh, visual novels that I know Jason you've talked about where there's kind of a story matrix and it starts out you're just following one guy but then pretty quickly you're following a bunch of different characters and the stories can branch and then you can go back and there's a whole kind of cool framing device where you're kind of watching the whole thing on a TV and there's a guy who interrupts every now and then to sort of talk to you and talk to you about how things are going it actually structurally also reminds me of um, Until Dawn mm. oh, where yeah, uh, Peter Stormare comes and like talks mm-hmm. to you in between <laughs> each chapter and there's a kind of there's like a big branching you know butterfly effect thing so that's what it is I don't want to say too much because there are some really cool surprises some really surprising mechanics. There are cool puzzles that require a lot of lateral thinking to figure out. And as you piece it together, you can then go back to the story and like keep playing through different sections with the new knowledge that you've gained of like, oh, this person is shady or like that person has a curse stone, so I got to uh-huh. watch out for them. And and it kind of just like bl- blooms on top of itself as you go. I'm really really enjoying it so far. I'm <laughs> like four like, or five hours into it. This is so my jam that I am surprised yeah. that I skipped over. <laughs> I think really you'll really like it. Yeah, well, I think it came out at the same <laughs> time as like a bunch of just other a timing stuff, thing. But yeah. So yeah. wait, Kirk, what are you playing it on? Because it's on phones, and I was thinking about getting it for my phone, but I think it'd be great on a phone. I'm playing it on Steam Deck, but okay, think, yeah. You know, I think That's it'd be good really too, good though. on anything on portable. Switch. I think it'd be it'd be good on anything handheld. Quite a bit of reading involved, I I would gather. But I just, if I need to turn around quickly, I don't know if I want to be doing that on my phone, <laughs> but maybe it's fine. Yeah, it, I think it works pretty well with the thumb and the, the okay. touchscreen, actually. I, I use the touchscreen a lot on the Steam Deck, too, yep. when I'm playing it. But the thumbstick is works pretty well, too. So, yeah, that's a that's a real glowing recommendation. I'm loving it, and I'm going to keep playing it. So two games that I've just played a little bit of that are really nice. One is a Highlands song. Have either of you played this game? I have The Inkle game. Inkle game. Yeah, and it's really nice. Um, the thing I didn't realize about it going in is that it is partly a rhythm game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it has lovely, lovely like music. Um, Lawrence Chapman is the main composer, but he has a bunch of Scottish musicians. This is a, a the story of a young woman in Scotland who wants to get to the river, to she's or to the ocean, sorry. She's seen rivers, but she's never seen an ocean, and she wants to get to her uncle there. It's kind of platforming and kind of like a branching exploration narrative game. It feels very inkly in that it's this kind of... It's a creative approach to the story because the story and the land are inextricably linked. And then there are these moments where you just bound across the landscape and this music starts playing, this beautiful, you know, kind of Celtic-inspired music, these penny whistles and, and fiddles, and she bounces along to the in time to the music, and it's just very magical. enjoying it it's like a a, it just goes down super easy and it's a very relaxing game 
So I wanted to mention that. And another game that goes down very easy and is very relaxing comes courtesy our friends on the Besties who have all been raving about it. Um, I had never heard of this game. It's called Lil Gator Game. Have the two of you seen this game? I have seen it. I've had this on my Steam wish list for a long time because my coworker Ana Diaz wrote about it and I read her review and it sounded so good, but then I just yeah. had no time for some reason this year. I yeah, it's no really time. good. I gather Chris Grant has been <laughs> raving about it too. I was I was sitting next to uh, Plant and Fresh Dick at the Game Awards because they got me into the Polygon box, which is uh-huh, great. Right, and right. they kept mentioning Gator Game and I kept thinking Gamergate like I said so, <laughs> oh so, no. so. it's pretty much the opposite of Gamergate in Great. every way possible <laughs> I don't think they're going to put that quote on the box but you never know um, this is a game that I would describe as a hike like which is a genre right. that I am trying yeah, to saying, establish like a short hike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it's very much like a short hike a wonderful game that we all played that I'm sure a lot of our listeners know um, it just feels really in line with it stylistically but it also expands on it in some interesting ways and it's just lovely bing kirk here just an edit to say that after we published this episode someone wrote in to point out that i overlooked the fact that the gator the protagonist of this game is actually non-binary and uses they them pronouns i had mistakenly referred to them as him i had only played a little bit of the game and it sounds like the game has some very cool queer aspects that are explicitly written in by the developers so i have edited this a little bit just so that i don't misgender the game's protagonists since i think that's important um sorry about that and i'm looking forward to playing more because this is a really a really cool game. Okay, back to the show. Bing! You play as a little gator who likes to play with their sister on the island where they live, and their sister has gotten older, and she's busy with school, she has a project she's doing, but the little gator still wants to play together like they used to. Which is, of course, just as a setup, your heartstrings are already Amazing. like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what they do is, basically with all their friends, they start trying to put together a game like they used to play with their sister, and make it so fun that they can text her and show pictures of what they've done, and she'll want to come play. So mm-hmm. it's very much like, put down your grown-up things and come play with me. Like, remember what it used to be like when we were younger. Oh my god, I'm gonna like start crying talking about it. Yeah. Um, it's a very, very charming, wonderful game. It kind of plays like, you know, Zelda or like one of those games, but there's no actual enemies. There's no... It's all just you and your friends, so it's all make-believe. And it's really wonderful. I've never quite seen anything like it. Uh, it's it's great. And it's another game that uh, that you can just... that's just very relaxing mm-hmm. to play. I really want to play it. It sounds so good. So yeah, the last game that I've been playing that I want to talk about is Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, as the, I think, only one among us who at all likes the Avatar movies. <laughs> I seem like the, the the prime candidate to play this game. Um, Ubisoft sent me a code a couple of weeks ago. Fine. They're, the movies are a video game, so why not make a video game out of them? Yeah, I think that's about right. Do you search for Unobtainium in the video game? Uh, no, no. Well, you would know this, Jason, but Unobtainium is no longer the thing. Now it's uh, whale brains that make uh. you live forever. Right. For I don't remember what it's called. Oh, it's called like oh, what is it called? It begins with an A. I should know this. Alive, a... alive forever. Em. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't have. I think they got rid of the overly dumb name. It has. It's still something that means life, like Amrita, maybe. Oh God, uh-huh, I remembered uh-huh, that. Oh uh-huh. no, that's terrible. Um, okay, so. 
This game is made by Ubisoft Massive. Uh, they are the formerly the makers of the Division series. This is a pretty big departure for them. And I would say a welcome one because the Division games, you know, were interesting at first, but they've got that Tom Clancy thing. They're just kind of military in the city. What if the military just could shoot everybody games? And I don't know. That's not my thing anymore. This game, however, what if you were a 10-foot tall, beautiful blue person on a really cool planet? I mean, I'm a little more into that. I don't know about you two. <laughs> Uh, so this game uh, casts you as a Navi, and you it takes place like in between the first and second movies, um, and you're kind of, you were kidnapped as a child and raised by the humans, but you're not an avatar, like the world of Avatar, it's called Avatar, right, because like the people can plug into these genetically created Navi, and that's the whole plot of the first movie, is the guy who... Um, is paralyzed from the waist down, is able to get into a Navi and then eventually become one. And it's this very cool thing about him getting this incredible body that he can use again. Um, so this is just, you are a Navi, but you've been kind of brainwashed. Like it's, you know, in, it's a mirror of real things that have happened in America of, you know, taking Native Americans to schools to teach them how to like be properly American. Kirk's using air quotes here, by the way. I yeah. am using air quotes. Sorry, yes. I, they're very horrifying, discussed in uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, and actually in a in a really good and really intense episode of Reservation Dogs that I just watched. Yeah, Res Dogs episode. Really good. Um, the Deer It was a good episode. It really messed up. So this this game is not like going to get super deep into that stuff, but it's there. It's there in the framing anyways. And you break out. Um, it's you're like cryo sleep for a little while and then you wake up and uh oh, you have to go into Pandora and like start, you know, living among the Navi and figure out who your people used to be and who you are. So it's a way of for them to let you be Navi, but also have the framing of the movie where you're kind of a newcomer. So everyone explains everything to you, which is, you know, which works. And I'll say this game is pretty cool. Um, I, I, I don't I'm not crazy about it. It is got that Ubisoft feeling where there's just a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of upgrades. There's a lot of side quests. A lot of people have described it as Far Cry on Pandora, which is like, I think, a fair way to nutshell it, but it's a little reductive. I think it's more interesting than Far Cry. It's probably closest to Far Cry Primal, which is the most unusual Far Cry game, the like caveman Far Cry, um, in that it's not really like, it doesn't have that, that feeling that Far Cry games have where you're amassing this sort of arsenal and you're fighting against some dictator. It's much more a game where you're just sort of chilling. There are bad guys like, you know, sky people or whatever have invaded and you're fighting them. But most of the game is actually exploring. I It feels like that's where the developer's heart was at. They wanted to make a game where you just get to go to Pandora. It looks freaking amazing, which it does look amazing. It's one of the best looking video games I've ever seen. And that's it. They've like taken they've clearly had access to all of the art from the movie and they've recreated pandora and made it so you can run around and like being a 10-foot person running around in this amazing planet is really cool i mean the mobility is really fun you have this like super high jump you can hold down the jump button to charge and then just jump like 20 feet in the air and it it almost feels mirrors edgy at times like it's like a very traversal focused very fast moving game that makes combat pretty fun too and honestly it's a pretty fun game i just played the the mission where I got my uh, the flying bird, um, which you know he gets in the first movie. So now I can fly everywhere, and that's pretty cool. And it plays the music, you know, the like chanting choir and everything. That's very triumphant. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to set the world on fire. Well, it hasn't. <laughs> it definitely hasn't set the world on fire. Yeah, it has not set the world on fire. 
but it's a it's a pretty pleasing game. I could see you know this it, for people who are looking for a just kind of beautiful looking, pretty chill open world game. Um, you know, I think they would dig it. Oh, and my last thought is, I think it's interesting that this game and Hogwarts Legacy both came out in the same year. I think they're very similar in a certain way, and that's that the licensed game, like technology and development budgets, have gotten to the point where licensed games like this can exist. I think they're both kind of. They're pretty similar in that they're pretty high quality, they're amazing looking, and they do the thing from the movie. Like, they let you go into the world of the movie. In the case of Hogwarts Legacy, like, you do the thing. You get to go walk around, you know, inside of Hogwarts and, and look at the moving art. And in the case of, of Avatar, you get to go be a Navi and walk around on Pandora, and you get to see the little plants that go boop, boop, boop into the ground <laughs> when you touch them. Like, it, it's the, the thing from the movie, but in a game, and it looks really good. And, um, you know, I think that's... That's kind of cool, like that we're that we're entering a world where that kind of thing is more common. Yeah, I guess people want that still. <laughs> Do they though? I I think it's interesting also that this game came out in December. It's always a weird time for a video game to come. Well, out. it was supposed to be December of last year alongside True. the movie, and instead it's uh, yeah. True. That would have made more sense. That would have made more sense. You're probably right. made You're it right. more popular. I forgot about and that. I guess I guess when you say Maddie, you say do they? I mean, with Hogwarts Legacy, they did because they do. that game yes. sold exceptionally they well, do. and Avatar is not selling well. And I think that yeah. matches up with the sort of perplexing success of Avatar as a film franchise, where like I think they're cool only because I like. I think James Cameron is just an awesome action director and I'll watch anything he makes. It's he just is. fun to watch his movies. That's the main reason I like them. And I think people just kind of go to them, but they don't seem to have the same kind of passionate engagement from fans that certainly that Harry Potter has. No. Um, even though I know there are the people who are obsessed with Avatar, like I think that's a pretty small group of people. And most people are like me. Like Even yeah. if they like the movies, they kind of just... It's because they're like, well, they're pretty looking well, they're and they're cool. fun to go yeah. see in the theaters and they have really rad fight scenes. Do you remember How to with John Wilson, uh, the Avatar people? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I, I was thinking of that and was trying to remember if that was a YouTube video I watched or um, or if it was John Wilson. Anyways, I've gone on long enough. It's a pretty good game. Uh, so I've been playing Fortnite. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. It's a video I game. I have. They're kind of a big deal. Yeah. So Tim Sweeney's trying to make his money back after laying all those people off earlier this year. And I think he just might do it. So Fortnite has put out in the past week as we record this, uh, this little little package of games, which are Lego Fortnite, Rocket Racing, and this mode called Fortnite Festival. And those last two I'm going to talk about first because I played them the least. And uh, they're kind of... Uh, follow-ups on some acquisitions that Epic Games did. So Rocket Racing is... Uh, Epic Games had acquired Psionics, which is the Rocket League people. That's probably how mm-hmm. people think about them, or at least it's how I think about sure. them. And uh, they made Rocket Racing. It's it's a racing game in Fortnite. It's really freaking fun. I recommend it. It's super fun. You can press a button and your car flies, and you can nice. you can fly through the air, and, and you can knock into other people and sparks fly. It feels really good, even with a mouse and keyboard. It felt great. Really fun multiplayer racing game. And then Fortnite Festival Main Stage, Epic Games acquired Harmonix. And this is basically Rock Band, except it's also a little bit like that game Fuser that I talked about on this show as a one more thing a while back and how it's kind of a DJ game where you're playing uh, kind of you're mixing songs. And uh, the Fortnite Festival version of these rock band slash fuser elements combines all the multiplayer fun with Fortnite in that you can be Naruto or you can be like a goat man <laughs> and you're playing nice. a guitar 
on a big stage and you're like doing emotes and dances and stuff when you're not playing your instrument. And it's just really fun. I, I don't know, like it, it, I played it for a little while and it unlocked some of the really warm, fuzzy feelings that I had when I was playing Fuser on Twitch and people would like react to my mixes and stuff. Like that sensation of playing music with people, it kind of evokes it a little bit. It's fun to play rock band. I always thought that. It is also fun to play rock band virtually if somebody's dressed like Naruto. All of that works for me. I don't know that it's gonna work in the long run, but a lot of people are playing Fortnite right now because they recently put out the OG map, which is like the very first Fortnite map. So there's like a mm -hmm. lot of people who logged in recently just because they're like, oh, Fortnite OG, I remember the first mm. map. I'll, I'll reinstall Fortnite, I'll play that. I remember when I was eight and now- Right, exactly, like and now, now I'm 13 years old. I'm, <laughs> I'm an old, wizened teenager uh -huh. by now. Uh -huh. And I'm gonna check out Rocket Racing and Fortnite Festival in the main stage mode. And also Lego Fortnite, which I would say is the star of the show. So this is like Epic Games working with Lego to make Minecraft. And I've played a couple hours of this. It's it's really good. Like they they super yeah, just made awesome. Minecraft and it's really fun. And I don't I I don't so okay. So you can only pet animals in this game. I don't think you can kill anyone and it's very pleasing. Like in order to get wool from a sheep you just walk up to a little sheep and you press E to pet it and then it makes a little noise <laughs> and then you get some wool. That in and of itself, Cute. adorable, kid-friendly, perfect to have a totally kid-friendly Fortnite mode. But also mm -hmm. they have the, the rights to all these different Lego blocks. So like if you're building your structure because you know, it's like Minecraft, a couple nights into the survival mode, these Lego skeletons are gonna show up and they're gonna try mm -hmm. to kill you. Mm -hmm. There will eventually be skeletons that show up. And you can build a wall to keep the skeletons out and you can build like a fancy wooden wall or you can do what I did, which is use actual Lego blocks and just build like a cool Lego wall. Hell yeah. And it rules. It just feels really good to stack up some Lego blocks. Like it just, it just makes it your just brain does. do that, that burr noise mm -hmm. where you're like, yeah, this feels really good. This is satisfying. Nice. And you can like design a little Lego guy. I've, I've paid for absolutely nothing. So I have no good outfits. That's why I'm not talking about any of that. I don't have any good emotes. I'm just using all the free stuff. And I, I don't know. I think Lego Fortnite is probably going to be a thing everybody plays for a while. I've seen a lot of people talking about it. So, yeah, it's pretty freaking it fun is why. And it's kind of yeah. got that Tears of the Kingdom ish feeling when you like stick together something and then it forms a new thing or like you build a car, or you build some absurd artifacty thing and then, you know, you meet other people or you can play with your friends. And I mean, come on. That's the stuff. Nice. So <laughs> nice. after after playing all that, I'm like, yeah, I guess Tim Sweeney's gonna get all this money back after whatever happened. Yeah. Where he yeah. Tim Sweeney is gonna be fine. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, know. they just won their lawsuit against Google, right? So like, yeah, did, Tim Sweeney did, is yeah. riding high this week. They He's did. Good. Mm -hmm. They did. They did. So yeah, Fortnite. I have Fortnite back on my computer, and I'm playing Fortnite now. I don't know how long that's gonna last for me, but if well, my yeah. friends, I'll get into Lego Fortnite. I, I feel like that'd be a fun place to hang out. Mm. So that's what nice. I'm playing right now. Uh, Jason, how about you for your fall fall catch-up? Have you been able to play anything? Yeah, um, a couple of things. I mean, I've been mostly writing a book. I've been playing through the, uh, Ace, the new Ace Attorney collection that's coming out next month. I'm excited for this. Yeah, I'll talk about this later. Maybe we'll all play some of it because I've been... But 
obviously it rules because Ace Attorney rules hard. And the best thing about Ace Attorney is I just watched that four-hour H-Bomber guy video that everyone watched about, um, about plagiarism. plagiarism. And at every new act break, he plays the play do do But then it gets, it gets like more and more distorted and weird through the episode. And it cracks me up every time. It is never not funny every time he does it. Anyway, rules. continue. Um, and I just played, um, I actually, I want to talk about this. I just played some of God of War Ragnarok Valhalla, which is the new mode that they announced at the Game Awards and just released this week totally free and it's really really cool um it's like uh it's essentially a roguelike god of war so it's like god of war um hades essentially where you go through valhalla and you fight through a bunch of what i assume are procedurally generated um levels and as you go you get to pick between various skills that uh and you make a build of kratos and then if you die you start from the beginning what i didn't expect going into this knowing knowing that it was that what i didn't expect was how story heavy it is so like from the get-go i mean you and mamir are talking about how you got an invitation to go to valhalla and it's not clear like what that was like you're not you don't know who it came from and then you hang you meet up with freya mamir is like hinting that you disagree with freya about something and then freya you you um, hit a, you, you meet up with Freya and this it should be noted it all takes place after the story of God of War Ragnarok so it's kind of an Got epilogue it. to it and then you find out this is all very early you find out that Freya wants you to come and be the God of War of uh, the Norse uh, mythology world now and Kratos is resistant to that because of his mm. past as the God of War. And, and so there's a ton of story that's beginning to unfold. And that, I think, is really what, what uh, might intrigue a lot of people who enjoyed the God of War games so far for the last couple. About, uh, uh, I think that's what might make them uh, interested in playing Valhalla uh, if they're not super into roguelikes, but they're into the story. So, yeah, I'm very curious to play more. I haven't played a ton, just played few uh a few runs of it um but god of war combat pretty pretty good and so that combined with hades structure that sounds cool i feel like anytime one of these companies has made uh, a combat system like that i think they did this with rise of the tomb raider there was Mm. a pretty cool sort of roguelike mode there where you were freezing in the snow and had to survive and Mm -hmm. kind of make it really far and they're doing this with the last of us part two which granted has a weird story tie-in, but also like <laughs> the game, the combat in that game is incredible. So yeah, I don't so know, like a roguelike where you're just probably cool. Yeah, it might be cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out too. And well, so for God of War, I mean, what they do here is smart. They kind of you start out. There's no like equipment that you have or skills or anything. You're kind of starting with a fresh right. Kratos build, and then you accumulate stuff as you go. And some of it is a little gnarly in terms of it's like five percent boost to this thing as you go, but but um, I'm hoping it'll open up a little bit more the more and more you play. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far, nothing really beats when it comes... I've played a fair number of roguelites, and nothing has really beaten Hades when it comes to, like, like un- immediate understanding exactly what all the powers are, when you should choose what, like, why you should choose what, and all that other stuff. It's It's that has not like Valhalla has not trumped that so far for me yet, but uh, curious to play more, and then and then we'll see. Nice. I'll totally check it out. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, all right. Well, that is a lot of catching up. Um, we're going to be off next week, but then we'll be back to talk about a lot more games after that. Uh, but for now, let's take a break and then uh, come back with one more thing. If you're black, you probably love you some Paramore, huh? Or what about the TV show Golden Girls? Ginger Ale? Daytime television? Don't lie. I know you love at least one of them. 
I'm Sequoia Holmes, pop culturist and host of Black People Love Paramore. Contrary to the title, it is not a podcast about the band Paramore. Each episode, I, along with a special guest co-host, dissect one pop culture topic that mainstream media doesn't necessarily associate with Black people, but we know we like. Tune in every other Thursday to the podcast that's dedicated to helping Black people feel more seen. Black People of Paramore is now on the Maximum Fun Network. Check out the most recent episode featuring Char Jassel today. Throughout history, sirens have captured men's attention, enticed men with their feminine wiles, and fulfilled men's primal needs. The sirens allure uh, persists. They have not. Unless the primal need is I need to be smashed on the rocks. Yeah, sm- smash me. Smash me, mommy. Smash me, mama. Smash me, mommy. <laughs> the sirens allure persists. Why do we do this to ourselves? Strand me, baby. Strand, Strand me, mom. baby. So yeah, this is my brother, my brother, and me from Maximum Fun on Mondays. It's just like that. Just like that, but more, it's just like that, but more of it. There's, there's just more of that. And we're back for one more thing. Jason, why don't you go first? Because I think you have a game. Yeah, so last week, um, like a couple days before the Game Awards, I got an email that was like, Aiden Chronicle preview opportunity at the JW Marriott. And I was like, hey, I will be at the JW Marriott when this is happening. So sure, I'll go play this. Aiden Chronicle, for those who are not familiar, is the kickstarted spiritual successor to the Suikoden series by the original team behind Suikoden 1 and 2. And this game is very much aping Suikoden and is trying to be Suikoden and in all respects, you it's a turn-based RPG with a political story. You uh, go and collect an army of 100 people, and you build a castle, and so on and so forth. And so I got to play the first hour of this. A couple of quick thoughts, because it's very, very early in this game. Um, one is that it was a little janky, and I hope they clean up some of the bugs and messiness before uh, before the game shifts. They do have a few months. It comes out in April, but uh, this preview was, was a little janky. There was, like, missing dialogue. There were some weird glitches, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So hopefully it's all, it's all fixed by then. Um, random encounters, very annoying. Invisible random encounters, very <laughs> Still annoying. annoying. Um, especially after playing Octopath Traveler 2, which uh, kind of spices up random encounters by making them a lot more interesting than just kind of mashing the A button over and over again, as you kind of have to do in Aiden Chronicles, which is just, again, trying to be Suikoden in 2. So it makes sense that they're doing that, but still a little bit annoying. On the flip side, story, super cool and intriguing. Very interesting. Um, so far, uh, it's a story uh, from what I saw so far. It's about these two dudes who meet each other and seem to be destined to be best friends and rivals, sort of like Joey and Ryu in Suikoden 2, except unlike uh, Suikoden 2, they don't start as best friends. They start as strangers. Um, and I won't get into all the specifics, but needless to say, the hour-long demo, which was basically the prologue of the game, after I finished the kind of the boss of it, um, the first scene I saw before I had to leave was uh, a bunch of like politicians arguing over uh, a big long table, and nothing I like more than a, a good old politicians arguing at a at a big long table in a sweet coded <laughs> game scene. So that nice. got me jazz for what that game will bring. And I'm very excited to play it, even if I know I'm going to have to play it by like, while like watching TV to get past the random encounters and stuff. But uh, still <laughs> sure. pretty stoked, and the music is really good, so at least there's that to get you through the the, the drudgery of, of random encounters. Yeah, Aiden Chronicles, I'm excited. Obviously, we'll talk about that more when it comes out. 
seems likely that we'll cover yeah, it. Yeah, seems like highly likely. Uh, Maddie, what's your one more thing? All right, so I'm always talking about movies I really liked on this show, and I thought maybe I'd switch it up this week and talk about a movie we watched that we didn't like and we didn't finish watching. Oh, uh, sad. <laughs> so this movie's called Amsterdam, and it came out in 2022. And uh, have you guys heard of this movie? Yes, you know I remember it? this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't A whole we bunch didn't of celebrities this. in this. Like yeah. A lot of actors in this. <laughs> so we didn't, we didn't know about this. This is sort of like a funny phenomenon of the streaming era of movies where sometimes you'll just get recommended something and you'll be like, oh, that looks good. And, and we really will take a chance on things for movie night. And we'll just be like, oh, okay, there's a couple of people in this and we won't look up reviews. And I don't... <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. always agree with reviews, even from people I like. So sometimes looking up reviews doesn't even help you decide if you're going to like a movie. So regardless, we decided to try watching Amsterdam on the basis of a title card that had Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington, three beautiful people, just yeah. three really gorgeous lookers right there. And it told me that there'd be a murder. And it turned out that Taylor Swift... Yes, that Taylor Swift is the one who gets murdered in like the first Whoa. 10 minutes of this movie. She's in this. <laughs> wow. And uh, as soon as she showed up, I was like, uh-oh, I think this might be a movie that I remember people telling jokes about on the internet. Because <laughs> I remember that gif of Taylor Swift getting pushed under a car being like a meme for a hot second because it's like a really weird scene. So this movie's really weird. I don't think anybody should watch it. <laughs> this is a David O. Russell movie. Yes, Wild. it's like a okay. notable flop. Interesting. So like, yeah, it, it almost doesn't exist for me. I that's I know. wild. It's it's kind of wild that like a David O. Russell movie is like really bad. Like it's over long. It must be bad because I've yeah basically never. It's even way heard of it. too long. <laughs> we stop. In case anybody's wondering when we stopped watching it, um, there's a scene where Robert De Niro shows up, and that's that's the scene where we stop watching it. It doesn't uh-huh. really matter what happens in that scene, but before that point, uh, we had already run into Mike Myers. <laughs> Michael Shannon, Anya Taylor-Joy, Chris Rock is in this movie. Okay. It's not good. It's really strange. That's funny. This is the thing where, like, David O. Russell can call anyone and get them to be in his movie. Yeah, it felt like that. People kind of assume that the movie will be good. (laughs) It sounds like the Game Awards. It was a lot like the Game Awards, actually. It, It actually felt like if Knives Out was really bad. That's what it felt like. It felt like David O. Russell watched Knives Out, and he was like, I can do that. And then he made this movie, which is a mystery. It is a murder mystery. Taylor Swift Mm -hmm. dies, folks. She dies right away, and they got to solve it. And like an hour in, Dina was like, I'm really not feeling this. And I was like, I want to know who killed Taylor Swift. And then another 30 (laughs) minutes went by, and there was was like a part where the characters were singing a song. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. So yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Don't watch it. Don't watch Amsterdam. All right. That's it's always there's always the question of like who is the first one to express that they're not feeling the movie. Yeah, who's, that's who's a thing on first? movie night, right? right? Who's gonna break the break the seal in the yeah, room and yeah. be like, this sucks? Where like you're both <laughs> sitting there and you're like, is this bad though? Uh-huh. Did we maybe make a huge and Hopefully, mistake? usually, everyone in the room is like, thank you for saying something. I didn't want to <laughs> yeah. say anything that yeah. was Well, terrible. I should have listened to yeah. her. That's the other mm-hmm. piece of this, is that I should have listened to her in that moment and been like, you're right. We could be watching anything else. <laughs> there are so many movies But I still don't there. know who killed Taylor Swift, and I may never well, you know. you can look it up. Yeah, I could look it up. Um, all right, well... I will go last. Travis my one Kelsey. more thing is a uh, a new friend, a new research assistant that I've brought into my life named hmm. ChatGPT4 <laughs> that I've been <laughs> oh, that no. I've been 
playing around with. Are you paying for it? Yeah, so GPT-4 is the one that you pay for. Mm -hmm. uh, GPT-3.5 is the one that you can use for free on the OpenAI site. But I have heard a friend of the show and very famous podcaster, Casey Newton, mm -hmm. talking on Hard Fork about how he pays for GPT-4. Mm -hmm. And he'd been going over some of the uses that he's found for it. And given that I self-produce a pretty involved podcast in Strong Songs that I spent a lot of time prepping and working on and doing outlines for, some of the descriptions of uh, the ways that he was using ChatGPT-4 sounded pretty cool. And I was like, okay, I can drop 20 bucks for at least one month to see how this goes. So I've been using it. Can I just say, Kirk, I heard Casey's podcast co-host, Kevin Roos, talking about this exact same subject on a different podcast and made me want to do this. Anyway, go on. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's it's definitely spreading. Well, and those guys are everywhere right now because, like, right. what, Casey just went on PJ Vote's show mm -hmm. and then they both went on Ezra well, Klein's show. I feel like AI. every podcast I'm listening to, yeah, because of the Sam, Sam yeah. Altman stuff. Mm. Um, so anyways, this is, I feel like uh, ChatGPT is having a moment mostly because of the Sam Altman stuff. Really, they tried to depose him and they made him and their company more powerful than ever is kind of the feeling I've got. I mean, it's been having a moment for the entire year. <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, like especially right now, like you couldn't sign up for GPT for, uh, I had to wait. I mean, I only had to wait like a week. So if anyone is trying to do this and you're on a waiting list, I think they go through it pretty fast. How much did you say it is? $20 a month? It's $20 a month. And that gets you access to GPT four. And I think Dolly as well, which is the art uh, tool and some other stuff. And you can like, you can do a lot with it. I've only had this for a few days, and it's very powerful. Um, you can build your own GPTs, which I think are very cool, and there are some really, really useful uh, applications there. I saw someone saying that in their union negotiations, they built a GPT that was just for union stuff, and they put all the PDFs of like all of the documents and the organizing and the bargaining that they'd been doing into it and wrote a Python script using GPT to organize it into a single document. Wow! And then they had this cool. way of basically for every organizing meeting, they were really quickly able to access all of the information and everything that they'd done cross-referenced super fast to just keep them moving. And that was, this was on Reddit. I just like saw a comment of someone saying that, but I think you can do all kinds of things. You can divide, like I could design my own strong songs GPT, which I think I'll probably do uh -huh. where I'll like upload all the songs I've covered and all the things I haven't covered and like what I'm thinking. And then it'll be able to reference back to like that database when it's giving mm -hmm. me answers. I heard talking, Kevin talking about how he uploaded all of his transcripts so he can search like for things that he's mentioned or like said, yeah, which is which hmm. I think is super smart. Yeah, there's and there's Eleven Labs also makes this AI that I'm thinking about trying out. Um, where I was talking to another friend about this, where that can do voice clones too, which could be interesting for podcast production, where like you can write a script and then have just dump a really quick audio of me doing it, like of a voice clone that I make of myself, so I can just like start working on it without having to go and record all the VO, since VO recording for strong songs takes a long time. Bing, Kirk here, just because I didn't say it, I would actually go back then and replace the fake VO with my actual voiceover, since that's a really important part of strong songs. I just didn't want to leave that unsaid. It just... To take it from me, it would make production uh, easier maybe in some ways and easier to just sort of scratch out ideas and see how things fit together. Anyways, okay, back to the show. Bing! This is all kind of theoretical and I haven't started doing too much of it yet, but it's really exciting. And using GPT-4 just for the last, like, day has been pretty mind-blowing just in what it can already do. I think... If you're willing to pay for it, you can't. This is what Casey Newton always says is basically you can experience the kind of cutting edge if you pay, like right now. And it's significantly more impressive than the ChatGPT that I had used, the publicly available one. It makes fewer mistakes. It's able to just 
reason more. For example, I'll give an example. I'm doing a, um, for patrons of Strong Songs, I'm doing a, a bracket to pick one of the songs that I'm going to cover for next season. So people are going to vote. And I have a list of 32 entries to start with. And I just uploaded that list. And it was like, here's a list of artists that I'm putting in a bracket for my podcast. What do you think? And it was like, well, here's what I think. And at first it noticed a duplicate. So it was like, you have Fiona Apple on there twice. So you probably want to take that off. And then it was like, this is good. And it gave me all these specific reasons. And then I was like, what would you do to make it better? And it gave me some good suggestions. They weren't mind blowing or anything, but it was like, well, you could introduce some more non-Western artists or like you could have an instrumental artist on there because these are all singers and actually it'd be really cool to have some instrumental music. And these are all thoughts that I've had before, like there, it's just, I don't, I'm not able to like access all of my thoughts at once. So it just helps me kind of brainstorm with myself and with ChatGPT, I guess, um, just kind of how to approach this list. And then it's been useful for all kinds of things. I just have it open now on my desktop. I'm kind of always <laughs> just talking into it. You can't trust everything it says. It gets stuff wrong, though I have noticed that GPT-4 is more correct than uh, 3.5, like it makes fewer mistakes. But of course I like fact check everything it tells me and would never like ask it to write a script. I'm finding that what it's really good for is reacting to things I've already written. Like if I were gonna write a paragraph, you know, an intro for an episode, if I then drop that in there and was like, what do you think of this? Give me some feedback. I think then I would actually get something useful out of it. Where if I asked it to write an intro for a podcast, it would give me something really generic. Like it's not very good at generating stuff. Right. It's so mm. funny, man. It seems like the research assistant role this is so perfect for. But what everyone always talks about in regards to AI is like, oh, it's gonna you can right. use it to write a TV script or whatever. Whereas I think that in general, yeah, I think that's gonna be. I think that actually looking at how people are using AI especially over the next few years, is going to tell us a lot more about how to use it than how we think people are going to use it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, because the more people find effective ways to use it, the more other people are going to start doing that too. Like I'm only uh -huh. doing this because I heard Casey talking about how he uses it. And that made me realize, oh, that could actually be worth $20 a month to me to yeah. do that just for my job. That's exactly how I felt listening to Kevin. Oh yeah. man, that's so it funny. Is. Yeah, it's so interesting. I feel like it's not going to replace the job of like writers, but it might replace the job of like assistants. Uh, in that way. I think, yeah, I, I can't even really theorize what it'll replace. Or like replace Google. <laughs> well, okay, that so that was actually what I was going to say. I do, I think that this is going to make people specifically with like my job, like solo creators of like knowledge work. Yeah. Mm. It's going to make our lives a lot easier in the short term. It's certainly um, going to make my life easier. Yeah, because you can't afford an assistant ever so you right. would just be working longer hours no like well and like if strong songs was like massive and bringing in well, you know exactly. tons of money i could hire someone but i don't i mean I, it just pays my salary like it pays enough to cover basic expenses but right. i can't have a staff and don't want one mm -hmm. so this is actually a really great way of doing it and yeah to what you said jason i think this thing already so gpt4 uses bing search so it can do current search on like the current web it's not like siloed information like 3.5 right and yeah i mean there is there's no way, I, I can't imagine a future that doesn't use this as the primary way of getting information off the internet. Like in a year even or less or like yeah. a year or two, definitely. Like 
compared to the experience of using Google now, where it's just trash on trash on trash and everything is feels useless and weird, this is just like having a conversation with someone who just happens to be able to really quickly look at Wikipedia or whatever and then tell you what it says. And that's very helpful. Yeah. So anyways, it's pretty cool. I'm sure I'll talk about it more on the show, but I just wanted to throw that out there since I've been more impressed with it than I was expecting. Yeah, I'm going to sign up because I really want to see if it can help me finish my book. Um, one quick question. <laughs> I've been sure it can. <laughs> one quick question. Have you fallen in love? Mm. No. <laughs> I've not had any inappropriate interactions with it yet, and okay. I believe they've, they've put a cap on a lot of those. But then again, <laughs> I'm not doing that it. stuff like asking it to say the word, let us... Uh, infinite times until it breaks and starts telling me like right. you know it's developers personal information or whatever like I'm not <laughs> right. trying to break right. it I'm just using it in a pretty straightforward way well I was just thinking man the possibilities of this thing like I was one of the most annoying things about like reporting work is going through like tons of lawsuits for example yep. could I get GPT it's to go through amazing at that yes. and like yeah so that mm-hmm. I want to play around with that I might even download it right now or sign up for it right now I th- yeah I think you should let mm-hmm. me know if you do we can talk I about will. it some more because, yeah, like I said, I've only been doing this for a little while and I'll have a yeah, lot more Yeah, we could do a whole episode. Just yeah, this. we may just do a whole this. episode on this. But my main question is for Jason. And, and it's, Jason, do you think maybe Kirk has replaced himself with an AI and that his so-called <laughs> new webcam as yeah, of this episode is in fact yeah. a ploy? Oh, man. And the few times that he's errored out uh-huh. have actually just been <laughs> the AI that he's developed to replace himself on this show. Right, or that was just like an AI error. Right, yeah, right, right. definitely, yeah. definitely. I think it just seems suspicious to me. Possible. That's all. That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> very <spirit>. possible. <laughs> it's funny, you know. We, um, I know we've gone long, but um, I, I shared this with both of you, but I'll share with listeners that this was the first time. This week was the first time that I encountered in the wild a video that had been translated and lip synced, re lip synced with AI. Yeah. I was watching a how to Oculus video and it was weirdly written and I was noticing that the language was just a little weird, even though it was actually very clear in telling me what I needed to know. Mm-hmm. And then I realized about halfway through that this video was probably originally in German or some non English language uh-huh. yep. and then had been put through an AI and the guy's lips were re you know, redone to fit English language and it was redone in another language. It's the first time I'd encountered something like that in the wild, even though I know the technology Uh exists and it was pretty Uh wild. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) We live in the future. Good Lord. Um, Yeah. I think there's a good chance Kirk is an AI and a good chance Maddie (laughs) is actually Orin uh, in Doppelganger (laughs) form. That's... I will neither yep. confirm or deny Nothing that. is what it seems. That's 2023 <laughs> for you. All right. Well, that has been our episode. As just one last reminder, we'll be off next week, but you'll have a bonus in the feed. And then we'll be back for our games of the year. Uh, that'll be a really fun episode. For so, sure. yeah. Happy holidays to you both. And happy holidays to everybody listening. Thanks, as always, for listening to another year of Triple Click. And, yeah, I'll see you all in two weeks. See you guys next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.